mindfulness mode. People get what they need when they ask for it. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, I'm here with a supplement expert. Now, she was born with an autoimmune condition that suppressed her white blood cells, and, and she spent years dealing with challenges that connected to that. And then when she became pregnant, well, that was a problem on its own because her immune system had its own agenda and wow she had a lot of challenges with that but the good news is she's moved forward she's a positive vibrant beautiful woman who has not only moved forward for herself and her family but for the benefit of the world because she has a company where she helps others with their health by providing supplements. So I'm so excited to be here today with Shauna Ryder. Shauna, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am actually. Mindfulness has saved my life many times over. And it's so funny, Bruce, I was just saying to someone the other day, that when I was 14 and got really, really sick for the first time, what actually began the process of my healing was now I know mindfulness. We weren't calling it back, you know, that back then. Maybe they, maybe people were, and I'm not aware of the terminology that was used, you know, in the, in the late nineties. But for me, it was like, oh, slowing down you know, ridding yourself of confusion and distractions and overwhelming amounts of things that really clutter your life allows you to really understand what your true needs are. And that's what began the process of my healing when I wasn't well. And so your podcast is very special to me in many ways. And I've been listening to your episodes in preparation for this conversation. And I just feel like at the root of all mindful living, you know, whether it's taking steps to put things in your body and consume nutrition that serves your highest well-being, or if you're trying to create different dynamics in personal relationships or excel in your professional life, um, it all starts with mindfulness. So congratulations to you on really getting to the heart of what I believe is the foundation for success in every area of life. Thank you for saying that, Sean. I really appreciate that. Well, I think it's wonderful that you've put together this company, Alea Naturals. Tell me when this came about and, and tell me a little bit about the journey to the place where you had this company that's now thriving. Yes. So I had two children in 24 months in my mid thirties. I was, I think 32 when I gave birth to my son. And then I had my daughter 24 months later. And it was really after the birth of, of my daughter that things began to degrade for me physically, um, psychologically, spiritually, I felt really depleted. Um, some of that was due to circumstances outside of my control. We had to move twice during my pregnancy. I was literally in labor during our second move because our roof was falling through and we, we discovered black mold in our rental house that we had just spent five months, you know, moving into. Um, so I literally brought my daughter home to an Airbnb um, that we had moved into the day I went into labor with her. 
And um, I mean, as a side note, we need very little to thrive. And it's incredible to kind of reduce um to reduce all of the the clutter, you know, to the to the necessities, which we sometimes do when we go on trips, you know, and we pack a bag and then realize there's just so much we don't need. Well, that essentially happened outside of my, you know, choosing when I brought my daughter home to an Airbnb and had nothing but one suitcase. I didn't have a crib for her or a changing table. And so she slept next to me in a basket and I changed her on a towel on the bed. Um, but, you know, suffice, and by the way, she was the happiest, most incredible baby. She slept beautifully. I mean, she was awesome. But, um, you know, I was tired and I was giving everything to my daughter while also trying to be present for my son who was just 24 months old at the time. And I just, I had a deficit, I think, going into that pregnancy because I was still nursing my son. I, I, I believe very strongly that if women are able to breastfeed and it's a choice that works for their profession and their family dynamic and, you know, phys physically it's comfortable and they're able to do it, it's a great choice. Um, and so for me, I was still breastfeeding at the time I, I actually, you know, got pregnant with my daughter. But um, I was so physically depleted by the time I gave birth to my son that I really had a very different postpartum experience. Um, after the birth of my son, I was thriving. I felt energetic and alive and, and very thrilled, you know, by small moments. And after my daughter was born, everything just felt laborious. Um, I just felt like I had nothing left, you know, in me for joy. It was all just practicality and getting through the day. And so my doula had given me some recommendations um, for supplements, including collagen and protein powders for smoothies to get quick energy hits. And then based on having had this history of really oppressive autoimmune issues, I already had a medicine cabinet full of things like probiotics and olive leaf extract and, you know, other things that, you know, were part of my, um, my regimen. And because nothing I was consuming really gave me the energy that I felt I needed to do the best job I could as a mother and wife, I decided to really just shift gears in my life and start my company, Alaya Naturals. And it's basically the extension of a medicine cabinet I've been building since I was 14 years old with the help of you know, clinical practitioners, doctors. Um, now we've incorporated scientists in our team, but you know, over many years I've consulted with nutritionists and alternative healers and put together really beautiful ideas, you know, for how to support our bodies. And I wanted to do that on a completely different level, you know, after I gave birth to my daughter and felt like nothing I was taking was really adequately, um, you know, meeting my needs. So I, I developed my company with the intention of having everything be um, sustainably sourced, organic whenever possible, um, and, and really just aware of how what we put in our body completely drives not only our ability to physically perform, but in many cases, our mood, you know, it determines our level of patience, whether we're going to slide into depression or have you know, perspective and balance on any given day. I mean, there's so many ways that what we put in our bodies affect our lives. And so I wanted to create um, supplements that really, first and foremost, you know, made my life 
possible and functional and then extend the gift to others. Well, I want to ask you about the name, and I noticed you pronounce it Alaya, and it's A-L-A-Y-A. Where does that come from, that word? It's a Sanskrit word, and it means dwelling or abode. And I learned as a very young person um, that our our body is our house. You know, we live here 24-7. We can't escape our minds. We can't escape our bodies, you know, it's all where we live all the time. And so for me going into naming my company, I I felt like I needed to represent how fundamental um, nutrition is and how what we feed ourselves is real, you know, it's, they're essentially the building blocks for where we live. Um, and if, if the foundation isn't solid, eventually it falls apart. I was actually telling my daughter the three little pig story. Last night, <laughs> and so this is all coming to mind as an analogy, but yeah. we don't want our houses to get blown down, you no know? Way. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were some of the first supplements that you created for your company? Collagen was the first one because I was very aware of the fact that being in my mid-30s, after mm-hmm. having had two kids um, in such a short period of time, would take a toll on my body in ways that maybe I hadn't predicted. And so my doula said, you know, you got to get a good collagen supplement. And because I'm a pescatarian and don't eat a lot of animal-sourced, um, you know, s- foods, I really wanted to make sure that the collagen I was taking um, was respectful, you know, not only of the environment, but of, um, you know, it's, it's sourcing in terms of the animal proteins that were used. And so it took me a very long time to develop that product because I wanted all the fish to be wild caught and the bovine to be grass fed and the chickens to be cage free and humanely treated. Um, and so now I, although I, I continue to be a pescatarian, um, my collagen includes, you know, it's the five types of essential collagen, basically, that your body really needs to thrive. Um, and I feel like ethically comfortable, you know, uh, ingesting it. And so because I believe that our mindset around what we eat really affects how we metabolize and absorb it and receive it. Um, I know that when I take my collagen, I can take a, a deep breath and really know that it's going to take full effect. Well, that's great. Shauna. Could you define for my audience pescatarian? Yes. So pescatarian essentially means that I eat mostly a a plant-based diet, but with the addition of fish as protein. Um, So actually, right after the birth of both of my kids, I did eat a little bit of red meat um, for the iron, although you can easily supplement with things like Floridix and iron supplements and things of that nature. Um, There are a lot of vegetarian foods that also contain iron, but... Um, meat is just a really straightforward, um, you know, bioavailable source. So, um, but, you know, by and large, I'm a a plant-based gal and then I eat salmon about twice a week and then I incorporate other fish whenever it's really fresh. Right. I see. So tell us about some of the other supplements that came later. Yeah. So actually, I'm really excited about what came just this week. I I just launched two new supplements um, that I'm living by because of COVID in particular. One is an immunity blend um, and the other is an advanced symbiotic. So there are a ton of probiotics on the market. Um, So it tends to be a very popular supplement. I've been taking probiotics 
um, for many, many years because I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 14 and could barely digest food. There was a period of time where I actually couldn't eat solid food whatsoever. Wow. All of my food had to be steamed and pureed. Um, and probiotics were a huge lifesaver for me, um, as well as enzymes, digestive enzymes. Um, but later on in my 20s, when I got off track again, after having gotten on track, um, I developed um, chronic bronchitis. And what really healed me from that was a couple of things, eliminating sugar, first and foremost, um, and really cleaning up my diet and probiotics. Um, you know, those two things together really healed my body because I had been on antibiotics um, for so many weeks and months at a time. I got really trapped in this vicious cycle where every time I got bronchitis, I would immediately pop an antibiotic. And then six weeks later, I was sick again. And so I went to see uh, a really incredible acupuncturist who said to me, and he's an herbalist as well, and he said to me, you need to first and foremost cut out sugar and stop taking antibiotics. And I said, I completely appreciate and respect your recommendation, but I can't mess around if I've got bronchitis. You know, that's a that's really dangerous. I don't I don't know that it's it would be responsible for me not to take my antibiotics. And he said, you know, take some apple cider vinegar with lemon and honey, get in bed for three weeks and ride it out and see what happens. And I did that. It took me a lot longer to heal without the antibiotics. Um, believe it or not, I have not had bronchitis or sinusitis, which is always what preceded the bronchitis uh, since. And I am a very firm believer that antibiotics save, saves lives. You know, it's an essential part of our toolkit and our medicine cabinet. Um, but really, it's intended for emergencies only. And there are so many alternative solutions to ailments that we don't tend to be taught um, how to access first, you know? And so this was a moment for me of going like, wow, you know, there's so much out there that's available. Um, and so the advanced symbiotic that I recently formulated is a probiotic, which also includes a prebiotic. And together, those two create uh, a byproduct of a postbiotic. And I've added um, glutamine for additional gut lining support. So for me, the, everything starts in the gut. You know, like we're learning more and more, even in terms of mental health, how the integrity of our gut, a balanced microbiome, making sure that we have, you know, all of the good bacteria we need. Um, and, you know, in, in essence, there's no such thing as good bacteria and bad bacteria. It's about balancing the two, right? Because we want everything. We, in order for our mi microbiome to flourish, we want, we, we can't get rid of all of the bad bacteria, right? But it's when, uh, quote unquote, bad bacteria, it's when certain strains of bacteria override other strains that we tend to have imbalance and things um, that create autoimmune issues or, you know, fatigue or, that turn into allergies or food sensitivities and things of that nature. Um, and so this advanced symbiotic is really intended to support the whole gut and it's in the system that really, um, you know, supports our immune system um, and keeps us going in times like these where we can, <laughs> we need all the help we can get. We sure do. Should we be consuming apple cider vinegar every day? 
I don't know if there are any shoulds, first of all. Um, and uh, since, since every body is different, you know, I don't, I don't generally um, dispense advice, you know, unilaterally without really understanding, first of all, the gut microbiome of a person, what their habits are like in general. Um, some people feel like it has limited effects. Others feel like it's extremely powerful. I like to start my day with a giant, giant um, bottle of water that has lemon and apple cider vinegar. Mm -hmm. It's how I start my day. I think it, it helps flush out toxins and also can regulate the pH of the body. Um, so that's something I do. Um, I up the apple cider vinegar when I'm feeling like uh, there are allergies happening or if you know, recently, like, you know, we've had some fires in LA, the air quality is a little bit poor. Um, and so for me, for my sinuses and things of that nature, I find it to be very helpful. But, you know, everyone has a different regimen and routine that works for them. And you don't want to just kind of plunge into taking maybe an entire tablespoon, which is what I take, you might want to start with a, a teaspoon and see how your body you know, metabolizes that and definitely dilute with enough water that, you know, you're not nauseous. Sure, <laughs> because of course. It's strong. Yeah. I'm curious about the testing procedure that you must have to go through with your supplements. What's that like? Is that is that a huge process that you have to go through? It is. Um, you know, everything's third party tested. And it's, it's kind of what differentiates certain brands over others is the level of testing. You want to test for everything from heavy metals to, you know, a whole range of contaminants and pollutants. Um, there are unfortunately already so many pollutants in our environment and in our soil that when you're looking at what supplements to consume, you want to make sure that that's not a factor. Right. I, I'd like to talk to you about... Uh about meditation is that part of your life that's a huge part bruce tell us about your meditation practice well first of all i have come to understand that meditation can mean many things for many different people and for one person looking at a rose and watching the reflection of the light shift on a petal could be a meditation watching your child laugh listening to the sounds around you in your environment and really zoning in on the chirping of the birds or the rustling of the grass. That's a meditation in and of itself. So there are many ways to slow the body down and focus our consciousness more singularly. Breath work is another form of meditation for me where I inhale through my nostrils as slowly as possible. I hold for a couple of counts and then I exhale slowly through my mouth. If I do that three or four times throughout the day, it regulates the nervous system, takes us out of the fight or flight mode. And it reminds us that we're gonna stay alive. You know, mm -hmm. um, the meditation practice that I've studied more formally is Vedic meditation which is 20 minutes twice a day. Normally, I don't get to both. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Usually it's a morning meditation and then in moments of desperation in the afternoon, 
I might sneak away to my car for a moment and take, you know, a, a second meditation where I'm not hearing the background uh, sounds of my children and their, their beautiful musical voices. Um, and what that involves is basically repeating a mantra internally, almost like an internal whisper that only you can hear. And it's as simple as repeating that word over and over for 20 minutes in your mind to the exclusion of other thoughts if possible. Now, I have not found that to be possible unless I'm drifting off to sleep. So it's not about perfecting the meditation. You know, a lot of people give up and they say, oh, I just can't do this. It's too hard for me. My mind is too cluttered. Uh, I think too fast. I keep interrupting the meditation. Well, that's the point. (laughs) The point is we're all thinking too fast and too much and Studies have shown that many of our thoughts are repetitive and redundant. We're kind of in a loop, a little bit of an aimless loop most of the time. And so the intention for me of this meditation is to slow down and really give my my body and my soul a chance to feel more open. And so I will repeat my word, my mantra, it's just a single word. And if, if you haven't been given one by a teacher because you haven't formally developed a practice, then give yourself a word. And it doesn't have to be, you know, anything complicated, you know, make it simple, but it shouldn't necessarily be a word that has any associated meaning. You want it to be a relatively neutral word so that, you know, you're not distracted by whatever associations you may have with an actual word. And you just repeat it over and over and you'll you'll hear yourself making the grocery list or rehashing a fight with your lover or wondering if you should call your mother uh, before or after dinner, you know, and that's okay. You just simply invite yourself back to the word again and again, over and over until you find yourself in a slightly more relaxed state. And some days... I'm really there and I feel myself dropping into those brain waves where everything is slow and I feel super nourished and like I've taken a break from the world and I've entered this deeper reality and state of relaxation. And other days it feels like the meditation is amplifying the level of angst because I'm not doing and I'm not in action. And that lack of movement is very telling. In the stillness we experience where there's disturbance, conflict, anxiety, lack of resolution, fear of the unknown, frustration, you know, all of those things surface in stillness. So be aware when you enter a meditative state that it's most likely going to actually amplify discomfort initially. And part of, you know, relaxing into the meditation is embracing all of those thoughts and all of those feelings and all of the discomfort and just going, oh, yeah, right, that's there. I have compassion for the part of me that's still angry about the fight I had with my spouse four weeks ago or I'm concerned there's a bill I have to pay and I'm just not sure where the money's going to come from. That's okay. All of those thoughts can enter and you can simply usher them out with the mantra over and over and over. 
And I do something similar before I go to sleep to clear my mind, which is I write down everything that could possibly keep me awake. And I make a running list and it's, you know, it's just keywords or a sentence. And then I fold it up and I put it in my drawer. I physically put it in my desk drawer and I say, good night. I mean, I don't literally say good night, but I think to myself, good night problems, good night unresolved questions, good night fears and concerns. You'll all be here in the morning waiting for me. <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool. I like that, yeah. Shauna. Yeah, I, I want to talk to you about your work as a singer songwriter i know you previously were a singer oh you did your research <laughs> and uh, i think that's fascinating because i've been a musician most of my life and i'm really? i'm just yeah i was a music teacher for a long time and absolutely You're loved kidding. that and played oh, music so from exciting. the time i was a kid yeah yeah always what loved the play? piano well the piano was my my primary instrument and then i oh. i played the saxophone a lot and the accordion a lot and uh then i taught all the instruments to the children in the school and loved that wow. so tell me about you how has mindfulness played a role in your singing and songwriting that you've done in your life well interestingly i've had to get out of my mind to sing and to really express and so as a singer, as a vocalist, especially because I was doing studio work for a long time where perfection, you know, or near perfection is a requirement, you know, um, you can't be off key, you can't be pitchy. I found that the harder I tried and the more concerned I was about hitting a note, usually the more skewed that note was mm -hmm. and it would be slightly off because mm -hmm. I was too much in my head. What I found is that you practice and practice and practice so that the moment you're on stage or the moment you're recording live, you can let go and trust that your body has that note. And I think meditation is very similar in the sense that we're getting out of our head. We're getting out of our own way. We're getting out of our mind and we're accessing the part of us that already knows. Like there's no note in any song that I've been given that I can't hit. It's the fear that I can't hit the note that obscures my ability to um, execute. And so, you know, when I was, you know, training, I, I had a vocal coach for a period of time named Stephen Memel, super talented guy. And he also does business coaching and all this other stuff. But, um, you know, Stephen, when he saw me getting too much in my head, would actually demand that I flap around the room and do all of these physical things so I wouldn't overthink it. Mm. And that's always when I had the easiest time hitting the note. It was when I was standing there trying so hard, you know, that it just sounded, you know, either really fabricated and inauthentic um, or I just missed it, you know, slightly like, you know, under or over. Um, so I feel like first and foremost, Meditation is about letting go and sort of cultivating trust in the universe or whatever you want to call it, you know, in your reality and how you're choosing to be on the earth and the way in which, you know, planets align to kind of support us and people come in and opportunities arise and things will work out for us. You know, there's a huge trust piece, you know, getting on stage and understanding that I can't control the reaction of my audience, you know, no one may like my song. I'm a songwriter as well. So that's a huge, very personal, you know, source of expression for me. People might not like my song. They might prefer a different voice. 
And so I have to get out of the business of trying to control people's reaction and worry about it and really focus on the story I'm here to tell and just communicate with as much authenticity and freedom as I can so that the people who are meant to receive my song and my message will. Um, because otherwise nobody wins. If I'm not authentically expressing myself or if I'm concerned about pleasing others, it's a miss-miss. You know, no one's believing my story and it's uninteresting on their end in terms of the audience reaction. And I'm not satisfied as a storyteller because I'm I'm not really coming from a place of authenticity. And so um, as a singer and songwriter, I've just continually trained myself to ground into the story I'm trying to tell and not worry about how people receive it. What's interesting about the timing of your question is that I just this week called my incredible guitarist and said, I've got songs and I'm ready to work. And I have not been in the music world since my son was born seven years ago. The last song I recorded, I was seven months pregnant and, um, you know, I, I was offered a huge A and I, A and and R deal when I was four months pregnant with him, and because I tend to be a little bit all or nothing, um, after I gave birth to my son, I just put everything musical on hold and just thought to myself, well, you know, I can't. I don't want to be on the road with my kids. I know a lot of women can pull that off, and that's beautiful, a beautiful choice if you can do it. For mm -hmm. me, it felt like it wouldn't be comfortable for my body and mind to manage. And I really went into a grieving state. Like I sort of, it was like the death of music for me in some way. Um, you know, my daughter was born singing. I mean, literally at six months old, she was crooning and like, I don't know, she was like riffing. Like even when she was whining, there was this musicality wow. about it. And I said, to my, I said to my husband, we've got a singer in the family. Like she's got a voice. I mean, she's got lungs, by the way. She's got this rich dimensional sound and it's like all in her diaphragm. And so, and a need to express herself. And so this past month, I found myself getting cranky, Bruce, because I've been so deprived of creative outlets that I, I really have felt disconnected to this whole part of myself. And I've been waiting for my kids to go back to school. And I've been waiting for, you know, a babysitter to come into our lives who can rescue me from my impossible <laughs> schedule. And like, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally this past month, I just said, you know what, I'm done waiting. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make the phone call without having the support system, without having any idea how I'll pull off running my company and singing again. And I'm just going to trust that the pieces will come together. Sure enough, I called my guitarist this past week. And two days later, I heard from our old babysitter who's fully vaccinated wow. and said, you know, I need work. I just finished up with a family whose kids are going off to summer camp. Do you need help? And I've been singing into my phone, all of the melodies that have been in my heart. I've been revisiting. I've got like 200, maybe 250 different melodies in my wow. phone and voice memos. So the past week I've been playing them one after the other, after they're going, which one am I going to start with? What am I, what am I going to pursue first? And my daughter is by my side, you know, trailing me constantly listening to me. And she starts grabbing my phone 
And she starts coming up with her own melodies. Wow. And I'm talking about beautiful. I mean, she's barely four, Bruce. And she's <laughs> wow. coming up with these really sophisticated melodies. I mean, stuff that's like super cool, actually, like much more cutting edge than my stuff. And and about, you know, I don't know, 30 different voice memos from this past week are hers. And the takeaway for me was like, okay. When I give myself my voice back, I liberate her to access hers, right? Like if I'm in my power and if I'm standing in my truth, which is I am a songwriter, I'm a mother, I'm a singer, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a writer, I just wrote a memoir, all these things. Like if I can really dig into all of it and own it, I then empower her to do the same and discover all of her art and her craft. So it's been really fascinating to watch her voice open up this past week and sort of feel like we're in it together. And that instead of, you know, feeling guilty, like I'm taking time away from her to go back to the studio, I'm actually teaching her what it looks like for a woman to pursue her dreams. And I'm really proud of that. I love you should be. I just love that. That's an incredible story. My wife and I were just watching a documentary uh, featuring Pink. And she's on tour in the documentary and with her family. She has her two children with her. And it, it's yeah. showing us as the viewer how she's pulling this off. And, and it's no small feat. I mean, it's no. quite incredible the kind, of, the kind of rehearsals she has and the kind of show she's putting on. And yet her, her children are right there, part of it. Can you ever envision yourself doing something like that? On a much smaller scale, Bruce, because my rhythm, I don't think is compatible with that lifestyle. So I've been offered some really big deals in the past that I turned down um, before my the A&R deal that I was offered when I was pregnant with my son. And for many years, I've wondered if I turned down those opportunities for the reasons I claimed I did. Um, I don't know why I turned them down in retrospect. You know, at the time it was for like guys in my life. I think in my blood and my bones, I know that I'm meant to have a slower pace. I need a lot of time to process. I'm pretty empathic. I get overstimulated um, relatively easily. I'm a super social person. I love to be out. I love dinners and gatherings and parties and all of those things, but I am very aware of uh, the nuances of people's uh, emotional lives, mm-hmm. of the moods surrounding me. Um, I, I really need to kind of take care of myself in terms of allowing myself to process my days and the pace and the demands of being on the road and performing night after night. Doesn't matter how you feel, you know, you've got millions of dollars invested in you hundreds and thousands, sometimes thousands of people's employment depended on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're in a hotel room and in a different city sometimes every night for weeks and months on end. I just don't know that that's the life for me. Um, I wanted it to be and I dreamed of it, but the reality is I didn't make it happen in time. And I don't know if that was an accident. You know, I, I I grieved, as I mentioned earlier, after I got pregnant with my son, thinking, gosh, this timing is just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so unfair that I finally have my big shot and I'm pregnant. And 
in retrospect, I, I really feel like I could have had those opportunities a lot earlier um, because the ones I did have, I turned down. And I, I just feel like in my body, I know that I'm meant to create differently and maybe in more of a quiet, subtle way. I think what's very encouraging for me now, Bruce, is that between the internet, you know, and just how autonomous people are with their creativity, there are avenues for me to express myself musically without being on the road. And, you know, what that might do is limit my exposure and my fan base to some degree, you know, it's not going to be like a big money making thing. Um, but what matters to me is just that I get my music out there. You know, first and sure. foremost, what matters is that I'm, I'm releasing what's in my body, which is music, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then whoever's meant to hear it, I think will, however I put it out there. Um, you know, I would love to maybe try being on the road for short periods of time, but a superstar like Pink or Christina Aguilera, um, Kelly Clarkson, I mean, these huge, incredible voices, they have a level of resiliency that is phenomenal and that works for them and often that doesn't work for them. And, you know, I grew up in the industry in Hollywood and I've seen a lot of the behind the scenes of what people struggle with in terms of mental health and deprivation and just mm -hmm. not being able to feed themselves emotionally and physically and mentally in the ways that they need to. It takes a toll. Um, but I think for someone like Pink, you know, that's a calling. Like, I just don't know that she couldn't not do that. Um, and I think that as a performer, if you can live without it, it's really not necessarily meant to be. Like, I don't need that to feel complete. And when you're pink, you have to do that. I just don't think you have a choice. And that's maybe how you know if it's worth pursuing. Like, I can't not sing but I cannot be on big stages in front of huge audiences. In fact, I prefer very intimate venues. I was selling out all the venues I played at in LA and the smallest ones where it was just me and my guitarist and not my whole band were my favorite shows, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm just meant to express in a slightly different way. Mm, very interesting. Have you ever been bullied? Do you have a story you can share with us Maybe you were bullied or someone in your life was or something like that. A story where mindfulness would have made a difference? Well, I've never been bullied. I'm very lucky. Um, I'm extremely lucky that I've just always felt supported in certain ways in terms of um, peers and socially and things of that nature. What I will say is that there's um, a bit more of an insidious form of bullying, which is um, the pressure of what other people want you to be yes. and believe and think and do. And that has been a huge part of my life. I am for sure a black sheep in my family mm. um, in the sense that I'm always beating to my own drum. I mean, it's been a running joke since I was a small child and in some ways, the less obvious forms of bullying where the pressure is just subtle but chronic or where you feel the underlying expectations of the people around you can be as impactful and as kind of bruising in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, Bruce, I dropped out of high school when I was 15 and it was a huge, huge moment for my father because he had these big expectations for me of 
you know, um, cause I was at the top of my class at an Ivy league prep high school. And, and my sister was, you know, going off to Ivy league school and all these things. And, and he said, you know, homeschooling is like for Amish people, like in the 1800s, like this isn't, I don't even know what this is or what this means for modern day. And I, and I didn't either, frankly, I had just even heard about it, you know, and I said, let's just figure this out together because I'm not meant to be in a conventional environment. I can't do what other people do and feel like myself. And so we had to, it took, I mean, literally I sat at home for three weeks, not being at school as we muddled through like what was going to keep me alive. Cause at that point I was really sick with the Crohn's disease, mm -hmm. but I was also kind of emotionally burdened because, you know, I was processing a lot without having space and freedom to digest my life. And so, you know, in that sense, bullying can be a lot less aggressive and obvious and it can just be, you know, combating what people want for your life that's really in opposition to what you know is right for you. I went to grad school for clinical psychology and I dropped out after a year. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like my training and understanding the psyche was going to happen a different way. I see. And this past year, I wrote a memoir about mental health and about, you know, my experiences with mental health personally. And I feel like, you know, we're all carving our own path in ways that feel really authentic and are timely. Maybe at some point I'll go back and finish that degree, you know, but everyone around me, my husband, my friends, my family say, gosh, you'd be the best psychologist. You've got to do it. You've got to finish. You've got to get your license and get your practice together. And I'm just like, you know what? I help people, you know, in different ways. And, and for me right now, that's not the choice. That's not the path. So I'm not sure if I'm completely answering your question, but I feel that for me, despite not having been bullied, I've been, you know, persuaded. I've been, I've, there have been efforts to persuade me actually that haven't been as effective as people would want them to be. And I've really done a lot of, work around not succumbing to other people's desires for my life. Cause at the end of the day, I'm the one living it. So if I'm not happy, nobody wins in the right. end, then I fall apart and I'm useless, not only to myself, but to the world. So true. So true. I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Shauna. So just 30 Ooh. second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? My husband, because he's challenged me so much. Mm. <laughs> he is my opposite. And so because of him, I've had to really check in with myself about where I'm in judgment about myself and others. Number two, how has mindfulness affected your emotions or how you experience your emotions? Oh, radically, because awareness is for me the foundation of peace if i am triggered by something or if i'm reactive i know that i'm coming from an old primal place usually stemming from my childhood that has nothing to do with current reality and if i take a pause and a deep breath and i'm mindful i i most often can calm myself down and understand that you know what's in the past is in the past it's not really happening now. 
Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. I know you touched on it already. Can you sum it up for us? Yes. So breathing is how we regulate our nervous system. It's how we escape the fight or flight mode where, you know, we feel like we're in danger. And so I breathe when I'm anxious. I breathe consciously before I enter a business conversation and especially when I'm challenged by my children. And it just keeps me really grounded and gives me perspective. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? You know, I haven't read very many books or any books actually about mindfulness, but I would say um, that the starting point is really within the self. And so, you know, if we can just tap into our own intuition and understand where we are in the present moment and that we're not in the past and that we're not in the future and and really ground into what's actually happening, not what, how we're interpreting an event, um, it's a really good start. Great. Are there any apps that you could share with us that could help one of our listeners become more mindful? I actually don't use apps because I am basically Amish. I, I don't use any apps whatsoever. I would start with looking around you and recognizing where you really are because most of the time we're not actually where we are. We're, we're reliving a conversation that already happened or we're anticipating a future event. So looking around, really zoning in on the sounds of our environment, and then doing that breath work, taking some very conscious inhales through our nostrils and holding for a few counts and exhaling through our mouth and just kind of slowing it all down is essential. It's been great talking to you and Mindful Tribe. You can connect at the website, Alaya Naturals, A-L-A-Y-A-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com. So check out Alaya yeah, Naturals. And Bruce, I yes. put together a discount code for your listeners. Great. So if you type in Mindfulness Mode 20, you will receive 20% off uh, any any purchase order, the first purchase order uh, of any uh, any of the products. Thank you, you so much. Thank yeah, you of course. So much, Shana. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful to meet you. Wonderful to talk to you. Do you have any final words of advice for a listener who is maybe just struggling a bit with things, struggling to be grounded, struggling to to find their center? What are your thoughts? I would just say it's all going to be okay, and that. People get what they need when they ask for it. So if you need help, ask for help. Even if that means literally just out loud alone in a room saying, I need help. If that's asking a friend for help, if it's going to a therapist and getting professional counseling, which I recommend everyone do indefinitely <laughs> for the most part. But, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. I've been in many life and death situations. And what I've learned is that everything is cyclical, every mood, every emotion, it's all transient. So whatever you're feeling now, whatever the discomfort is, it's not forever. It will pass. It will evolve into something brighter. Um, 
and more nourishing. And then it will be hard again for a little while because you've evolved and you're ready for the next lesson. And then the sun will come out again. So everything is going to be okay. What great closing words. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode, Shauna. Thank you. It was such a pleasure talking with you, Bruce. You're such a light. Thank you so much. Bye now. Take care. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for listening to the episode today. Thanks for listening to Shauna and I with our conversation. And I wanted to mention that I have a guided meditation and it's a full 30 minute long guided meditation. That's for you if you wish. It's $4.99. You can download that guided meditation and it will uh, help you release your overwhelm. That's what I've called it. Release your overwhelm. So are you feeling stressed? Are you feeling anxious? Well, I think a lot of us are feeling some overwhelm these days. And this guided meditation will just, it'll just soothe you. It'll help you feel more calm. And like I said, it's 30 minutes. So if you're interested in this, it's available for you, Mindful Tribe, at mindfulnessmode.com slash release slash release. So, Mindful Tribe, take what we've learned today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.